Welcome to episode 482 of Salcedo Paranormal, and tonight I am continuing my review of the complete books of Charles Fort. As always, you can find all episodes of the show along with links to social media and other ways to contact me at the podcast page, and that is salcedoparanormal.podbean.com. That's S-A-L-S-I-D-O paranormal.podbean.com. Always happy to hear from from you all, whether you have comments or questions or topic suggestions or stories of paranormal experiences, whether they're your own or from others that you trust. Happy to either read those or have you join me on the show to talk about them. Thank you all for listening. Whether you are here for the live recording streams on Discord or if you listen on the podcast or YouTube feeds or on the Trouble Minds radio network. KUAP, Digital Broadcasting. Uh, There you can hear uh, replays of two episodes of the show every night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, right before Trouble Minds Radio comes on. And uh, that's uh, at, uh, of course, uh, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. As always, I want to thank Michael Strange, host of Trouble Minds Radio, as well as Liam Martin, host of the Exile Minds podcast, for producing the shows and putting them up on the station. If you'd like to support the show, there are some different ways to do that. You can always share the show with others and rate and review the show on your podcast platform of choice. Also, I've written some paranormal fiction and nonfiction books you can check out on Amazon. I also have a Patreon page where I'll put up content whenever I can, and I have one episode up, up there already. Uh, and that is available to all membership tier levels there. Also, if you'd like to make just a one-time donation, I, you can do that through uh, PayPal and Venmo. And uh, help is never expected, but always appreciated, as there are expenses in making these shows, uh, from equipment to research materials to travel expenses. Uh, I'm going to be uh, at the Mid-Michigan Paracon this uh, November 4th and 5th. That's a Saturday and Sunday in Mount Pleasant, Michigan at the Soaring Eagle Casino Resort. I will be there just to check it out, uh, to be at a Paracon for the first time. And uh, making recordings of myself and anyone else who wants to join me, uh, audio recordings, talking about the paranormal and thoughts and uh, experiences for anyone that wants to share those. So uh, looking forward to that. And of course, all those recordings, I will when I bring them back home, I will uh, share those on future shows. So uh, I think that covers everything there. Uh, again, the plan is for tomorrow night to have a very special guest on the show, returning guest. And uh, that will be amazing. Looking forward to that. And then um, I'll have one day off, and then shows will start back up on Saturday. As I said before, I will be doing uh, shows six days a week from now until Halloween. So looking forward to that. And then, of course, once I get back from that Paracon, I'll, I'll be taking a few days uh, a few days off, basically, uh, after all that. So that's the plan as of now. Hopefully everything goes uh, according to that plan. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, so as, as I said before, with this book I'm reviewing, here and there, I will skip sections when they are um, they don't make a ton of ton of sense to me. Probably usually because it's more um, discussion of scientific 
thoughts and theories and um, all those different things. But uh, but I don't have a lot that I'm, I'm going to be skipping this time. Just like one section. And this is all summaries that um, that were made using AI, taking uh, basically having the AI read in a way um, this book, uh, sections of this book. And uh, I'll be re reading those summaries and commenting on them as I go. So that's what I've been doing uh, for this book for a while, this uh, collection of books, really. And um, we're on the second of the four books in that collection, and that is New Lands. And um, so this is going to take a while to get through this whole series. So, But that's okay. There's always more to to review after that of other things. But uh, let me get to the file here, and uh, we'll get started. So we're starting uh, in, again, uh, New Lands. This is part two, uh, chapter 18. So in this section, uh, Fort talks about many reports over the years of phantom soldiers or armies seen in the sky in places like Scotland, Liverpool, France, India, and Germany. The sightings uh, often involved huge, or large groups of people. I'm wondering if, they, if he means large groups of people as in witnesses or just the... I'm guessing that's what he means. But uh, mentions that the conventional explanations were that these were mirages or optical illusions and uh, of um, actual terrestrial soldiers. However, Fort found these explanations unconvincing, wondering how images could be so uh, selective in only showing uh, soldiers over and over in different places. For suggest these could be visions of inhabitants and activities in extra geographic conditions. Uh, for example, unknown lands and realms in our space that were temporarily visible. He saw them as glimpses of these lands and life forms that are normally invisible uh, to us on Earth. And the amazing thing about that is you can sort of take that and say, well, does he mean ghosts or spirits? And I think that's a possibility, but I also don't think that's the only possibility. Uh, anyway, getting back to the material here, this says the mixture of things seen like soldiers along with animals like lions and swans further convinced Fort that these were visions of life in other realms beyond just mirages of earthly scenes. And uh, I wonder if any of these were, if these appeared to be solid or, or, or not, if they appear to be translucent. If any of these were solid, that reminds me sort of of, um, of sort of of what am I saying? Uh, of the um, apparitions people have seen in physical looking, as in not transparent, not translucent, appearing to be physical uh, uh, appearances and sightings of uh, creatures like pterodactyls or, or flying dinosaurs in the air. I wonder if that could be if that's similar or, or part of the same thing or something sort of along those lines uh, makes me wonder about that. So let me see here. So Fort sees these uh, repeated sightings 
of phantom soldiers and armies in the sky as potential evidence again of normally invisible uh, entities and uh, so that's the end of that section there so again I mentioned I'd be skipping some things here and there we're gonna skip chapter 19 uh, move on to chapter 20 and this one also doesn't have a whole lot in here I'm going to talk about but it does mention various astronomical observations of unusual lights shapes and changes on the lunar surface in the 1860s as possible evidence of lunar inhabitants trying to communicate with Earth. And just think about that in a way because that's a good, what, almost 100 years before any kind of uh, manned missions took place. I mean, at the very least, a good 50, 75. So really is amazing to think about that possibility. Of course, um, I would guess people would, might say, well, that's just other uh, lights. Basically, they're, if they're lights, then they can be explained away. But I always wonder if um, with these things, if um, maybe just because there's a more logical explanation, how do we know for sure that that is the actual explanation for all these things? Moving on to chapter 21. This section discusses observation of lights, flashes, and other luminous phenomenon, phenomena seen in the skies in the 1870s and 1880s around the times of oppositions of Mars and Venus. Uh, so Charles Fort suggests that these sites could be related to the planets, uh, these planets through uh, conventional explanations. Oh, I'm sorry. Though conventional explanations at the time attributed them to meteors or uh, fire balloons. Huh. Never heard that term before. Uh, Fort seems skeptical, of course, as usual. Uh, he includes reported observations from various locations like Indiana, New York. So that's in the U.S., Scotland, uh, Belgium, among others, to show that these events were witnessed in separate places. So, of course, Fort is questioning um, astronomy and their usual, their conventional explanations for all these things. So, um, let me see here. And he, he um, also believes, based on these reports, that there could be. Uh, life on Mars communicating with or visiting Earth. And of course, um, we've we've had a lot of images so far over the years of, of Mars and all that. And and uh, that's a whole other, I think, conversation there. Uh, moving on to Chapter 22. This one talks about uh, various mysterious events like Explosions, earthquakes, and uh, falls, as in drop, basically objects falling from the sky, uh, mysterious substances falling from the sky. He speculates that these could be related to extraterrestrial activity, perhaps from Mars. Uh, for it documents loud explosions and tremors felt in various locations in England, India, and 
and uh, and other places in the 1800s with no obvious geological explanation. Uh, he mentions coincidences between some of these events and the opposition of Mars when Mars is aligned with the Earth and Sun and the Sun. Uh, let me see here. Before it points out that triangles are clusters of locations where strange events seem to uh, be concentrated, like the London Triangle in England. I wonder if he also would think of the Bermuda Triangle in that same way. Let's see here. Uh, he mentions unusual substances like black rain or hail that fell after some of these tremors and explosions. Uh, for it speculates that debris from explosions high in the atmosphere could have caused this. So basically something in the sky exploded and then sent down this, uh, this, this black material as rain or, uh, let me see here, rain or hail. And uh, Fort suggests that all these could be related to intelligent extraterrestrial activity, though he doesn't have definitive evidence. Uh, he sees patterns that make him suspect there is an underlying connection between the these different events. So um, th that's amazing stuff right there, the idea of these objects in the sky that aren't seen all the time, but then you have these explosions and then things fall down from the sky. So um, let me move on to the next section here, but I'll check on, uh, I'll check on chat. So this is an amazing book, just all the different, talking about all the different things people have seen uh, coming down from the sky and just out in space before there was any kind of uh, known uh, space activity from people. It just really always amazes me that these things apparently were happening. So, um, getting back to the file here and back to chapter 23. Uh, this section describes a series of unusual light phenomena observed on the moon from 1875 to 1886 mostly around the times of opposition of Mars. Uh, talks about in July of, uh, of 1875, officers of a British, a British ship, that's hard to say, saw luminous projections from the moon's uh, limb around the time of Mars opposition. In February of 1877, an astronomer saw a fine line of light across the lunar crater, uh, Eudoxus. Eudoxus. I'm not sure if you say that, but basically a crater on the moon. On the moon. In March of 1877, there was a bright illumination that was seen in another crater on the moon. Let's see, also in uh, May of 1877, changes were seen in the lunar crater Lynn. I'm not sure about that for sure. I don't know if I don't know that for sure. Around the time of Mars' opposition. Uh, in June of that same year, moving lights and illuminations were reported on the dark part of the moon 
by multiple observers. That's a uh, that's amazing. In a way, in August of 1877, that same year, during a lunar eclipse, a large ball of fire was seen uh, dropping through the clouds. I wonder where it landed. That's amazing. Also terrifying, depending on where it landed. Uh, there have also been flashing lights, misty glows, and other transient events, basically moving events, continue to be reported uh, in craters across the, uh, the moon from 1879 to 1886, sometimes around Mars oppositions. So this uh, section, seem, this uh, chapter seems to suggest a, a connection between unusual lunar events and the oppositions to uh, of Mars. So uh, and that's a position, basically, from my gathering here. Uh, the reported lights and mists, especially in craters on the northwest quadrant of the moon, are described as anomalous and unexplained so and this section highlights a period of increased lunar activity from the mid 1870s to mid 1880s so uh, moving on to the next section here i think we have time for at least a couple more and uh, so this is chapter 24 this uh, chapter describes a series of unusual mirages or atmospheric phenomena that were seen over Sweden and parts of the Baltic region between 1881 and 1888, including visions of islands, forests, cities, and warships and other objects. I have heard of um, mirages before, of things that were created by different positioning of, of lights and sunsets and different things. So I don't know how much of that is actually anomalous, but uh, this is, again, keep in mind, this is going back to the early 1900s when all this was recorded here. Uh, Charles Fort suggests that these can be mirages of real places. So yeah, basically what I was just talking about there. But they're confined to a specific time period rather than being ongoing. So he wonders if they may be shadows or mirages from something that was in temporary suspension over the Baltic and their Baltic region and Sweden. So that's a, a good point there. I wonder about that as well. He talks about how this only happened in these areas during this certain time. And he wonders about what that means. So, uh, Fort gives examples of other strange sightings, like an unknown round object seen near the sun during an eclipse in 1887, and theorizes it must have been uh, suspended in the air rather than being close by. That's odd, though, because there have been reports over the years since then of, and I mean, I think even images. Of course, I haven't looked at those because I'm not the best at seeing pictures, but um, basically UFOs seen moving around and in and out of the sun. So I wonder if there's a connection there. Uh, Fort discusses stones called banjite. I'm not sure about that. B-A-N-J-I-T-E. Uh, 
that fell from the sky in Serbia in 1872 and 1889, which he sees as evidence of explosions in the sky that impacted the Earth. And uh, let's see here. Charles Fort continues on. He cites examples of earthquakes that may have actually been reactions to meteoric explosions in the sky rather than underground uh, causes. So that's the end of that section there. That really is amazing. That The thing with the objects near the sun, that is the part there that's sticking in my mind because of, like I said, reports of <coughs> objects seen almost to the present day uh, um, going around and in and out of the sun. So. Uh, moving on to chapter 25, this one says, uh, or talks about, uh, let's see here, it's questioning mainstream science. Okay, so Fort cites various uh, astronomical uh, evidence against the distance between uh, pl planets and stars and the motion of the Earth, such as exploding celestial objects, seen from two different locations on Earth, or meteors that seem to originate from a fixed point. Okay, this is getting into stuff I don't, I'm not processing very well. But, uh, so I think we're just going to skip the rest of that section. Definitely, if you want to check out the books, uh, you can find them on Amazon and read them all for yourselves if you want all the, every little detail. But there's a lot of material there to go through. So, um, we're just going to, I think we're going to skip through the rest of that section there. Move on to chapter 26. On this section, Fort discusses uh, reports of luminous objects appearing near uh, planets like Venus and Saturn. This challenges the notion that Earth is stationary. Of course, now we kind of, that's sort of a idea that is um, not so much there anymore. Um, implying that uh, objects are able to move between planets. Well, that seems to make sense in a way. There are reports of unknown luminous objects appearing in local skies over places like England, South Africa, and Ohio in the U.S. Uh, for it suggests these may be exploratory vessels visiting from elsewhere. And uh, let's see here. Four argues that if Earth moves, I guess it's getting into more numbers here. So basically just going into facts and figures here. Um, so let's see where the rest of this goes. I think that's where we're going to end that. The rest of that, like I said, is getting into scientific theories and math and all those kinds of things I'm really not that good at. So. And uh, we're just about out of time anyway, so I think that's where we'll end that for today. And uh, we have about, uh, let's see here, 12 more chapters in this book. And again, there will be two more books after this that I'll be reviewing. I uh, just want to mention again, uh, if, if you ever go back and listen to previous episodes of the show, uh, please check out the links to uh, to guests' projects that, that, um, that are on the show for various episodes and see what they're up to and, and uh, support them as well. And uh, don't forget to listen to the 
Trouble Minds Radio Network, KUAP Digital Broadcasting for my show as well as many others. So thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all in the next episode of Salcedo Paranormal. Take care.